Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Plant Powered People podcast. I'm Michelle Kane, your co-host and founder of World of Vegan. And I'm Tony Okamoto, founder of Plant Based on a Budget and Food Sharing Vegan. And on this show, we talk with experts, thought leaders, and inspiring people from around the globe to empower you to learn, explore, and evolve in a kind, sustainable, and healthy direction, all while eating the most delicious food and living your best life. A few years ago, we did an episode that was essentially an intro to pressure cooking. We talk all about the Instant Pot. And if the Instant Pot or the idea of pressure cooking is new to you, or you're not even sure exactly what it is, pause here and head back over to that episode. Listen to episode number 55 of the Plant Powered People podcast. It's called Instant Pot 101. This episode today is more advanced. It's meant to elevate you to the next level in learning to use your Instant Pot to the fullest. And to do that, we're bringing on a true Instant Pot guru and the author of the vegan Instant Pot cookbook, Nisha Vora. Nisha Vora is a vegan recipe developer, cookbook author, and founder of Rainbow Plant Life. After graduating from Harvard Law School and working as a lawyer for four years, She exchanged her casebooks for cookbooks and launched her dream career. On her website, she shares unique flavor-packed plant-based recipes. And on YouTube, she's known for her fun and educational cooking videos and has amassed a passionate following of over 1 million strong. Before we jump in, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Terry Naturally and Live On Labs. Terry Naturally is an award-winning vitamin brand. They've won over 100 awards and their founder, Terry, has over 50 years of experience in the health food industry. Today, we're giving a shout out to their curcumin products. Curcumin is the most powerful component of turmeric, which is a plant highly prized for centuries due to its amazing antioxidant value and health benefits. We've talked about it many times before on this podcast, and we even shared how Tony's husband, Paul, used to make his own turmeric-filled capsules since there's so much research about the health benefits of consuming turmeric. Terry Naturally's Curamed supplements take curcumin to the next level as the most clinically studied curcumin in the world, and their Curamed supplements deliver up to 500 times more curcumin to the bloodstream than turmeric. They offer capsule and syrup form. Just be sure to look for the vegan symbol on their products to see which are fully plant-based. You can explore their curcumin at terrynaturallyvitamins.com. That's T-E-R-R-Y naturallyvitamins.com. We'd also like to thank Live On Labs, a company that has designed an effective way to improve the nutrient absorption of vitamins and nutrients. Many people are really surprised to learn that when they take vitamins, their body only absorbs a percentage of what they consume, which can feel almost wasteful. Using patented technology, Live On Labs wraps vitamins in a phospholipid sphere that protects the vitamin through the digestive system and transports it to the bloodstream for absorption in the cells. They have vitamin C, a B vitamin complex, magnesium, and more, and all of their supplements are vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, and made without any sugars or artificial flavors. When I'm feeling under the weather, I take the vitamin C and so does my husband. It's super easy to use. Just pour it in up to three ounces of water and gulp it in one sip, just like a shot. I really appreciate, especially that it doesn't have a strong, funky taste and it's really easy to take. 
If you'd like to check them out and read more about their innovative approach to supplementation, visit them at Live On Labs or get a free sample pack at the link in our show notes. If you'd like to check them out and read more about their innovative approach to supplementation, check them out at liveonlabs.com or get a free sample pack in the link in our show notes. Hi, Nisha. Welcome to the Plant Powered People podcast. It's so nice to have you on. Thanks so much for having me, Tony and Michelle. It's lovely to be here. Nisha, we are so excited to dive deep into your Instant Pot expertise today. But first, you have a really exceptionally fascinating background going from Harvard Law School to practicing law to giving it all up at a pretty young age and finding a new career path helping people eat more plants. And the reason you initially went to law school was that you dreamed of changing the world. And I'd love for you to share in brief why you shifted to the work you're doing now and if that still aligns with your initial mission to change the world. Oh, good question. Yes, I wanted to change the world. I was very optimistic, perhaps naive 19-year-old when I decided to go to law school. And I had this experience in college where I was using the law in a specific concrete way to help folks who generally don't get helped by the legal system. These were primarily undocumented immigrants and victims of domestic violence. And I like was like, wow, I can actually change someone's life using this tool. And so that's what I went to law school with that in mind. Practicing law was really, really different. I loved law school itself and the academic environment and the critical thinking, but practicing law was kind of a reality check where it became very clear that the law is this ecstatic force. It's very conservative, very hard to change things. Of course, they do occasionally change, but it wasn't this like magical tool I could use to like just fix someone's life. And I practiced two different types of law before I became just really disillusioned with how the legal system made it very easy for people in power and wealthy actors and corporate actors to you know, have access to the legal system in a way that even if they had committed violations or crimes, it would be very easy for them to get off. And then on the other spectrum, I saw how hard it was for people who were poor and didn't have a lot of resources and power, how hard it was for them to use the law to their advantage. And so I started getting disillusioned with that in addition to just like the general stress of being a lawyer. And around the same time, I was just getting back into cooking after a break and exploring that as just a creative outlet. And I went vegan around the same time and started sharing stuff on Instagram. It started to take off. Eventually, a lot of little steps took me in the right direction where I was like, okay, I think that I can probably leave this career behind, at least for now, and see if I can make a career in food. And how long ago was that, just for reference? Yeah. So I left the law officially January 2017. All of this started to build in 2016. Whoa, that is so, so cool. And you've done so much between now and then, and even while you had a really tough other job. So how did you first happen upon a pressure cooker? Because your book is mega successful. And what made this tool worthy of dedicating yourself to writing that book? The Instant Pot came into my life when I was still a lawyer and I didn't have that much time to cook, right? I was busy working a lot and I lived in New York City. So when I wasn't working, I was like going out with friends and things like that. And the Instant Pot was really helpful because I could start cooking a meal on Sunday afternoon in my Instant Pot 
and then like, I don't know, relax or work or go to the gym or do something with that time. Because with the instant pot, there's a lot of like set and forget it. You don't have to come back for quite some time. And so I was introduced to it by, I think, a family friend. And I was like, okay, we'll we'll try this out. My mom had always used pressure cookers growing up with Indian cooking, but never an electric one. And so I figured it was worth a try. And it just, I felt like it gave me time back when I really, really needed that time. And that's how I started to experiment with it more and more. You weren't a fan of your mom's pressure cooker. Was it because you were afraid it was going to blow up. That is a common concern I heard about the old school pressure cookers that lived on the stovetop. And did that change your mind when you were exposed to the electric pressure cooker instead? Well, it did sort of blow up. I was in sixth grade. I remember I was in the shower and I had the door locked because I was going through that phase where like, I needed ultimate privacy. And I heard my mom banging on the door. I was the only person home besides my mom. And she was like, I'm dying. And I was like, oh my God, what's happening? And the pressure cooker had in fact, I don't know if exploded, but like it sprayed hot, boiling hot liquid all over her arm. And that was over 20 years ago, she still has marks on her arms from that. And so that was obviously a very <laughs> disturbing, scary, stressful incident. And I was like, I'm absolutely never going near one of those ever. But once the Instant Pot sort of came around, I had started hearing about it. I read all these articles about how like the Instant Pot doesn't do that. There's like lots of safety mechanisms that prevent it from doing that. So I've been using one now for so many years and I've never felt like, oh my God, I'm a little nervous that something's going to happen. If it doesn't seal properly, it won't come to pressure. And so there's like lots of built-in mechanisms that prevent anything like that from happening. This reminds me of the people out there who have gotten bitten by sharks and then they become like the world's foremost shark advocates. (laughs) Like Paul DeGeller and stuff, he is like, missing a leg from a shark. And he's the biggest shark advocate now trying to protect them. And here you are getting attacked by an Instant Pot. And (laughs) now you're being the biggest advocate. Well, your mom. Yeah. Well, not me. My mom. My mom still uses a regular pressure cooker. So she is she is the shark example. She, She has gone back to them. And is still going strong. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So your book is a beautiful work of art. And I was wondering if it's okay with you if I read a quote from it. Of course. Thank you. Okay. So you say, what other application can churn out soups that have the depth of flavor associated with slow simmering in a fraction of the time, can turn fibrous sweet potatoes into buttery goodness in just five minutes, and pungent onions into sticky caramelized jam, and pop out moist and tender cakes, homemade yogurts, and perfectly cooked beans with minimal work? That's a rhetorical question because the answer is that no other appliance can do that. So already right here in your book, just reading that, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much that I haven't unlocked yet with the Instant Pot. I use it for soups and stews and to cook grains and like the most perfect artichokes. But I really have not gone too far beyond that, despite using it as one of my favorite appliances year after year. (laughs) So I'm really excited to dive into some of the creative ways that you use it and you share in your book. Yeah. We can talk about a little bit now or we can wait till you want to talk about specific things. But I think that when I started writing this book, I was using it for a couple of creative things, but I was like, I have to come up with 90 recipes. And so it really like got me to explore what are all the cool ways you can use it that aren't just the basics? Because of course the basics are important. And I think for most people, you are going to use your Instant Pot 
a lot for the basics, like the pots of rice and the pots of beans and soups. But it's also useful for a lot of other things, particularly if you have a small kitchen, you don't have a lot of counter space, maybe it's the summer and you don't want to turn on your oven, or it's you know the holidays and like oven counter space, cooktop space is all at a premium. And so there's just like lots of great opportunities and moments in your life where it makes total sense to use Instant Pot. And before we get to the juicy parts, like those details, I know there are a lot of different types of pressure cookers and Instant Pot is just one of the most modern and popular brands today. But can people use any type of pressure cooker or is it the Instant Pot that's different? And do people need to know anything specific about different models or how they may impact recipes? What advice can you share? Yeah. I mean, obviously people can use whatever brand they want. I think the Instant Pot is just kind of the top, I don't want to say top tier, but like the most well-known, the most like well-loved model when it comes to electric pressure cookers. And also there's the most the greatest number of resources on it. So the greatest number of cookbooks and like how-to guides and things like that. So I just feel like it's an easy, safe option for people. If for whatever reason, someone doesn't want the Instant Pot brand, there are other brands. And generally they have pretty similar functionality. The button names and the function names might be slightly different. Something to keep in mind is that like when you change the size of the Instant Pot model, like if you go from a six quart to an eight quart or you use a different brand that's like say a nine quart or five quart, the amount of liquid necessary to bring a electric pressure cooker to pressure, to pressurize it will vary. And so if you're trying to scale a recipe or you're trying to make a recipe that was tested in a six quart instant pot in your nine quart, I don't know, Kasori, I think is another brand, it might work slightly differently. You might need more liquid. And so there's like little adjustments. And so what I always tell people is if you are new to an electric pressure cooker, get a six quart instant pot model. It is by far the most popular type of electric pressure cooker and size. And most recipes you'll see on the internet, including all the recipes in my book, were tested in those models. And so it's just like a safe, easy thing where you don't have to do any conversions. Love it. I feel like that's the model that has like 30,000 five-star reviews on Amazon or something. It's so wild. And they usually do Prime Day sales or like a holiday Amazon Black Friday sales or whatever, where they drop the price. And and that really helped move them off the shelves in the beginning and bring Instant Parklet pot like on the mark with people, I think. I know that's when I got mine. So one of the intimidating things about the Instant Pot is that there's a million buttons, like you're saying. And I only use a couple. I'm like saute, pressure cook, custom, whatever. And then when people ask me about how to use their Instant Pot, I'm like pretty much ignore this entire layout of a million buttons and just use custom pressure cook. (laughs) But I'm curious. So I haven't forged out into all these different things that you can be making in your pressure cooker. Do people really, would they benefit from studying that manual and like really learning all the things and how they work or following recipes? Like what's your best advice for people who start to understand more beyond just the basic pressure cook function? I will say that I also primarily almost always use custom pressure cook. So (laughs) you're not alone. You can use that for almost anything. In my book, which is now, I will say, four years old, so Instant Pot models have changed and evolved, but there is a section in the book on terminology, what the different function keys mean if you want to use those. But again, for a lot of things, you can just use the pressure cook setting. On older models, it's called manual, but I feel like those are 
those models are now like four or five years old. The saute setting is also super helpful. So some recipes for the instant pot are going to be dump and go, which is like you literally just add your 10 ingredients or 15 ingredients, whatever it is, into your instant pot, hit pressure cook and let the machine do its magic. But I like to often start a recipe with some sort of saute to build up that flavor with the aromatics, maybe some spices. And so the saute setting is super helpful to have and to have in that one pot. On some models, I think probably most new models, you have the option for like customizing the heat level on your saute setting, which can be really helpful. If you're cooking something delicate, you might want to go on a lower heat for a lot of things you might just do average heat. And if you really want to get like a nice sear or brownie, you might want to go to the higher heat level. But things like this, the buttons like soup or bean chili, I think it's just, you just make your soup using the pressure cook setting or make your beans using the pressure cook setting. Sometimes the rice setting can be a little handy because it'll just like do the math for you, like determine, oh, based on this amount of volume, we're going to cook it for this long. But if you cook rice regularly, you probably already know what your preferred cook time is. So in general, I think don't be worried about how many different function buttons there are because you're probably just going to use two or three most of the time. That's super helpful because I do get overwhelmed. I've always wanted to use the yogurt button. Like I, I want to make yogurt at my house, but that has not made the list yet. So on my list of things to do. Okay. Well, I do have a yogurt recipe in the book that uses it. So you can maybe check that out if you're interested. I will. And I'll, I'll let people know on the, the next podcast or uh, on our on social media. Can you share your general approach to cooking with the Instant Pot? Some foundational basics regarding how you create recipes that taste so delicious with respect to salt, aromatics, spices, and herbs, heat, fat, deglazing, and acidity, etc.? Yeah. I mean, I don't treat cooking in the Instant Pot that different from my general cooking when I'm using like a skillet or the oven. So I'm always keeping certain principles in mind, like layering seasonings as I go. That's a little harder with the Instant Pot because you do eventually have to like pressure cook it and then you can't open it. But that's why, again, I like to use that saute setting in the beginning when I can. So I might start off a soup by adding some diced onions with a pinch of salt and then layer in maybe some garlic, maybe some tomato paste, maybe some chopped fresh herbs, maybe a little more salt before I add any of the like main ingredients. Let's say I'm making a lentil soup. So like the lentils and the crushed tomatoes and the vegetable broth. So I'm just like building up that layer of flavor. And even though I can't taste the soup as it simmers, hopefully those few steps in the beginning will create like a nice initial base. And then when it's done pressure cooking, I'm always going to season to taste. If the soup, for instance, is too thin, I might reheat it on the saute setting, bring it to a boil so it thickens and reduces down. I'm going to add some salt to taste at the end, maybe some lemon juice or vinegar, and just kind of play with it like I would if I were making something on the stove. I think when it comes to the Instant Pot, something that is different is or somewhat different is that deglazing is really important. So deglazing basically is just, you have some food stuck on the bottom of your pot, like you've sauteed some onions for 10 minutes and you want to pick up the flavor from those brown bits. You add in some sort of thin liquid. It can be vegetable broth, it could be wine, it could be vinegar, it could be just water. And you use that liquid to scrape up all those good stuff, all those good flavor bits. It is really important for flavor in general to do that, but with the Instant Pot, it's really important to do that from a technical standpoint before you hit the pressure cook button, because if there's a lot of stuff stuck onto the bottom of the Instant Pot, it can block the Instant Pot's 
sensor and it'll make the instant pot think in its little robot brain that that something that something's burning even if it might not be burning and then you'll get that annoying burn notice or burn warning on your instant pot it'll stop cooking so important from a flavor perspective all the time but especially with an instant pot important to deglaze anything that you saute before you start pressure cooking that's really helpful what I always recommend to people who are new to the Instant Pot is to start with recipes. Like, So start with your cookbook or recipes online that people have already perfected. But one of the cool things about the Instant Pot is that after you've done that several times, like using recipes, you develop this sort of in- intuitive sense of how much liquid you need if you're making a super stew or how like how how much proportion wise and how long to cook things. And I actually have a a chart that is inside the cabinet that when I open the cabinet and it has all like the beans and grains and everything and how long to cook them in the instant pot. Maybe I'll include that as a downloadable resource over in the show notes. And you also have that in your book, of course, and instant pot has it online that people can access. But before trying to do it yourself, just follow some recipes and it'll start to become intuitive. And then you can just start chopping and dumping. And that's where like these tips are so helpful, Nisha, because I know many of us and many of our listeners here on the podcast do not have a background or did not grow up around cooking and learning how to use spices and flavor things and everything. And so even like when a recipe says salt to taste, people have no idea like, well, how much salt and it totally impacts whether the recipe is going to taste good or not. So you share a lot of those tips in your book, which I'm just going to recommend that people listening go and read because those are really, really helpful. Yes. And just to add on to the salt point, I always try to include a salt amount, at least in one part of the recipe, if not multiple parts, because I do want your food to be well seasoned, but not over salty. And if you are not that comfortable in the kitchen, you have no idea what salt to taste means, especially if it's a type of recipe you've never made before. Salt to taste could mean an eighth of a teaspoon. It could mean a teaspoon, right? Like there's a lot of variability. And so I do try to be as specific as I can in my all of my recipes because I think that salt is such a fundamental component of building flavor. And if you don't know what you're doing or how much you should add, you can certainly ruin a recipe. Okay. So we'd love to guide our listeners through a few, a few of the food categories that you have in your cookbook that are in areas that people may not have ventured into yet or moving beyond the soups and stews that people may have <laughs> been exploring already. So I'd love to start with pantry basics. Can you share some of the best pantry basics that people can make or start to explore some of your favorites some things you share in the book? A staple that I think a lot of people overlook is homemade vegetable broth. I definitely use store-bought vegetable broth whenever I need to, but if you've never made your own, it's so much better. And it's also a great way to reduce food waste. And it's so easy to do in the Instant Pot. So I have two options in the book, one for vegetable broth and one for mushroom broth, which is so excellent with like a mushroom risotto or anything mushroomy. Another thing I love using it for are to cook beans, like we've talked about, like the basics, but then you can use those beans to make other things. So I have a hummus recipe in there, which is great if you don't want to like watch your chickpeas cook on the stove. And if you'd rather just set them and forget them in the instant pot, that's a great option. You can make a really good tomato or pasta sauce in there with, again, not having to babysit the stove and wondering if the tomatoes are burning. So I have an arabiata sauce in the book as well. And There's one other thing in there. I think you mentioned in the quote you read that like you can turn onions into something sticky. There's like a caramelized Mm -hmm. onion jam in there, which caramelized onions, 
are amazing, but they can take a little long, like a long time on the stove if you make them properly. The Instant Pot, just the high pressure kind of like eviscerates the onions into this like meltingly golden, delicious, sweet stickiness. And you really just don't have to do very much. So that's pretty cool. I love that. That's awesome. I love onions. So I'm salivating over here thinking about (laughs) it. A lot of people have tough time with mornings. It's a busy part of our day. And the Instant Pot can come in handy because while you're over at the gym or getting your kids ready for the day, you can have breakfast going. So what are some of your favorites to make? And do you have any tips that could be super helpful for those busy mornings? Yeah. So I think for busy mornings, oatmeal is great. I don't eat oatmeal that much anymore. I just kind of got tired of it. Something that maybe happens to some vegans, but if you're still on the oatmeal train, there's a few different varieties in the book. And what's great is that the steel cut oats, which are the most nutritious, they cook for quite a bit in the instant pot. So 12 minutes on a pressure cook, but that doesn't include the time it takes to come to pressure and the natural pressure release afterwards. So you're looking at probably 40 minutes. So that's like a good window where you can start your oats in the morning and then go exercise or get ready for your day or help your kids get ready for school, whatever it is that you have to do in the morning. And so I think that's like, yes, 40 minutes seems like a long time, but it's all inactive time once you like add your oats and milk and et cetera to the instant pot. So I think that's a great option for people who are really busy and want just like no active cooking and also like oatmeal. (laughs) One of the ones I really like in the book is the savory turmeric breakfast quinoa. And that one is like really flavorful and maybe a little bit non-traditional in terms of breakfast. But again, it's probably like five, 10 minutes of active cooking. And then the quinoa cooks in one minute in the instant pot. So it's like something that can be definitely done on a weekday. In general, I think like if you're open to eating grains in the morning, grains are a great way to use your Instant Pot because they're going to take some time to cook. So you have that inactive cooking time, which you can use to do other things. And you can like adjust lots of different things. You can adjust the texture. So if you like your oats or your porridge or whatever other grain you're using really creamy, you can use you know less water, you can add stuff to it. And so it's just very easy to kind of customize based on what, what you're looking for. Let's talk desserts. This is where I'm most curious. Curious. I've never made a dessert in my Instant Pot. I've certainly never made cake in my Instant Pot. And you have a recipe for that in your book. So can you share some of the best types of desserts people can make? And then like, how does something like cake work in an Instant Pot? Yeah. Okay. So the one thing that is you have to keep in mind for some desserts that in, that you want to make an instant pot is you'll need probably a different size pan than you typically would have depending on the size of your instant pot model. So if you have a six quart, which is kind of the most popular size, you will need a smaller cake pan that is than a standard, like an eight inch or nine inch is probably standard. You'll, you'll need a seven inch. So that's a little bit of an annoying thing, but if you feel like you're going to use it often enough, like, you know, like $15, but basically there's, your Instant Pot comes with a trivet, which is just this little stand, kind of like a steamer basket stand. You put your cake pan on that. And before you do that, you add some water to the Instant Pot. So it basically creates like a water bath, like the Instant Pot acts as a water bath. If you've ever made cheesecake, you might know what I'm talking about, where you put your cheesecake in the oven, but you also have 
like a pan of hot water, and that kind of creates a moist environment that prevents the cake from drying out. That's kind of the same function or same process idea with the Instant Pot. When you bake a cake in there, you want to prevent it from drying out, and adding a little bit of water does that. And so you can make really moist cakes in there. There's chocolate cake in the book. There's a pecan pumpkin mousse tart. There's a cheesecake, an Oreo cheesecake in there. And they all have very, very similar, if not indistinguishable textures from the cakes that you would be baking in the oven, which I think is pretty cool. If you want to like get a specialized cake pan, that's that would be necessary to make some of the desserts, but you can also make other things in there that don't require a cake pan. And I, again, like to do that Particularly, I think it's nice when it's the summer, you don't want to turn on your oven, but you want a dessert maybe because you have got guests over or you've got really great, you know, seasonal fruit and you want to turn it into a dessert or it's the holidays when people are like fighting over oven space and there's no room in the oven to make your pie. And so maybe you want to make something different in the Instant Pot. I've always thought that desserts in the Instant Pot were intimidating. So I am definitely going to check that part out of your book too. So yogurt and a dessert. That is what I'm going to challenge myself. (laughs) Another thing that is intimidating to me are vegetables on their own. I'm getting much better at it now, but I feel like my husband does not like mushy things. I can Mm -hmm. eat mushy everything, but once it's too mushy, he wouldn't want to eat carrots if they're really super soft or something like that. What are your tips on vegetables and finding the right times to cook them. And do you have any favorites that you like to make or that would be good to start off with? Yeah. So one thing you can try is low pressure cooking with certain vegetables, especially delicate things like asparagus or broccoli. So I have a, in um, the vegetables chapter, I have a lemony asparagus recipe, and I also have some garlicky broccoli recipe. And I use the low pressure function for those so that you're not getting that mushiness that a lot of people like your husband don't like. So I would recommend that. And then try going as low as on the cook time as you can. Like you can actually cook something for zero minutes on the Instant Pot, even though that sounds kind of not possible, you can. So if you feel like this is the most tender thing, I don't want to ruin it. You can try zero minutes for broccoli, two minutes, asparagus, like one or two minutes. And so using a really minimal cook time with low pressure is a great way to start testing the waters of whether you can make a vegetable that you still like that's not mushy. I think some of the cool things that make the Instant Pot worth it for vegetables are like being able to cook a really large or hard vegetable that you wouldn't, that you might struggle with a little bit if you were cooking it on the stove or in the oven. So for instance, spaghetti squash can be sometimes a little annoying to cook you just cut it in half and stick it in an instant pot for seven minutes and you have tender spaghetti squash. Same thing for beets, which can take a long time to roast in the oven. They are pretty hands-off. You just stick your beets in there with some water and they will be done much quicker. And obviously you don't have to like babysit them. Same thing for like butternut squash, any sort of winter squash. I just find it easy to put those in there and kind of set it and forget it. I really appreciate that because I am a big gardener and I have so much butternut squash coming in and it's 102 degrees here this weekend and it gets really hot in Sacramento. And so I'm looking for ways to minimize the time in the oven on those hot days. So I am going to stop roasting because I just roasted one yesterday and thought, oh, this is one an hour and two 
I'm really warm now. (laughs) I'm also totally going to try beets in the Instant Pot. I actually have some beets at home right now. And fun tip for anyone listening, because I feel like beets are one of those things that I have never bought or used or cooked before. They're so messy and red and blah, blah, blah. But I have a kid now. And a really fun tip is if you cook beets, boil it or steam it or cook it in the Instant Pot, you can chop it up and then freeze that beet. And then you can throw it in almost anything to turn it hot pink. So you could throw it in a salad dressing and your salad dressing becomes hot pink. You can throw it in a smoothie, your smoothie becomes hot pink. You can put it in banana ice cream, your banana ice cream becomes hot pink. And it adds almost no flavor. So it's a it's a really fun, natural, plant-based food coloring that you can use. And the Instant Pot tip is, is clutch. I'm going to make mine in there. So your book has chapters for all all sorts of other things, sides, comfort foods, soups, stews, curries. And I encourage all of you listening to get the book and explore them. But are there any other surprising or like standout exciting foods or dishes that come to mind that can be made in the pressure cooker? Yeah, well, there's a lasagna recipe in the book, which I think is maybe unconventional, but really fun way to cook it. And you get everything you want on a lasagna this way. I think it's a great, again, like if you want lasagna in the summer because you got really great zucchini and summer squash and red bell peppers at the farmer's market in the summer, but you're like, oh, I don't really want to turn my oven on for 45 minutes in the summer. This is like a nice alternative where you don't have to heat up the kitchen and you still get to eat lasagna, which I love. I think one of my favorite recipes in the book is the tofu tikka masala. And it's just outrageously delicious and really shows you that even though you are using this convenience tool, you can still build incredible flavor and depth and like have a gourmet restaurant quality meal while using this convenience time-saving machine. Now we're going to the rapid fire part of our conversation. And I am so excited for this. I'm going to start with how long does it take for the Instant Pot to come to pressure? Well, I can't give you one answer because it depends on the volume of stuff in your Instant Pot and the temperature. So if you are making a soup with eight cups of cold refrigerated broth, it's going to take a really, really long time (laughs) to come to pressure. If you're making something with one half cup of room temperature liquid, it might come to pressure in like three, four minutes. So it really varies on the volume and the temperature of the ingredients in there. I think that's like the biggest thing that people don't understand because you get cooking time and you like program it and you start press start and like nothing happens (laughs) and people are so confused by that. So yeah. Okay, cool. Next question. How long does it take for the Instant Pot to release pressure naturally? Because I know that's called for in some recipes. Sometimes you just... Yeah. Sometimes you do a natural pressure release, which is basically you let the Instant Pot depressurize on its own. And sometimes you do a quick pressure release, which is where you flick the button or depending on the model you have, rotate a knob, whatever it is, and you let the pressure come out. Again, it depends on what you're making. If you're going to do a quick pressure release, then it's, you know, as soon as it's done cooking, you can depressurize, but it's not safe to do that for large volume stuff. So if you, again, you made a big soup, you don't want to depressurize it on its own. You want to let it sit for at least 10 minutes. That's kind of a guideline for a lot of recipes. Let it sit for 10 minutes before manually releasing any pressure. If you made like I don't know, a half cup of rice, it'll probably naturally depressurize in five minutes. If you made, again, a big stew, it might naturally depressurize in 20 minutes. So 
there's always instructions, at least in my recipes, on like how long to wait, but it's going to, again, vary based on the type of recipe. How much liquid do I need to add to my pressure cooker? So for a standard six quart, the general guideline is a half cup. It's not always required depending on what you're making, but it's a safe bet if you're new to the Instant Pot. And if you've got a larger model, you'll need slightly more. Okay. And this is my favorite one because I didn't know it for a long time, but how do I clean the lid? And is it dishwasher safe? It is dishwasher safe. So you can stick it in there if you have one. Otherwise, just wash it like you would any other dish. The ceiling rings are where all of the food smells get trapped in. So definitely take the time to thoroughly wash those. If you have a dishwasher, use that because if you don't, then whatever you made last, like if you made a saucy Indian curry, like your oatmeal the next day will smell like Indian curry. So (laughs) make sure you wash those well. This is just a personal question that I'm throwing in there, but I feel like I always want to wash the Instant Pot itself, it it gets so dirty and sometimes it Mm -hmm. has food trapped in the rim part that is between the outer and the inner part of the Instant Pot. How do you clean that? I just have like a really small brush that you can use for hard to get to places. And I just use that. I don't know, like I'm not a cleaning savant. So maybe someone listening has better ideas, but that's just what I do. Okay. I'm thinking of getting like my shop back and vacuuming it out and maybe using a a little wet rag to follow up with it because I feel like I'm afraid to put it anywhere near the sink. So I will try that and let you know. Nisha, do you have any other tips or advice that you'd like to share about Instant Pot cooking or just cooking in general? I would say don't be intimidated by an Instant Pot if you've never tried one or if you have one collecting dust in your garage, you know who you are. It's really easy to use after the first couple of times. And there are tons of guidelines, tutorials, kind of primers out there, including my cookbook that will kind of give you the lay of the land and help you figure out, okay, what are the five main things I need to know? It's really not that different from standard cooking and it can save you a lot of time in the kitchen give you back time, which I think is incredible. So don't be afraid to use it. It's really not that hard. And where can people connect with you online and find your recipes? Sure. So all of my recipes are on rainbowplantlife.com, my blog. I share cooking videos on YouTube at Rainbow Plant Life. And I sometimes post on Instagram, (laughs) not recently, but um, I sometimes share like shorter videos and things like that on Instagram at Rainbow Plant Life. So Rainbow Plant Life, basically everywhere. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks so much for having me on. A quick reminder to check out our sponsors of this episode, Terry Naturally at terrynaturallyvitamins.com and Live On Labs at livonlabs.com. That was so awesome. Nisha is so smart and I could really listen to her talk about anything. But I'm very glad that she joined us today on the Plant Parent People podcast to talk about Instant Pots, which is something that Michelle and I are so passionate about. And again, if you missed the intro to Instant Pot 101, check it out at episode 55. 
And if you haven't already checked out Nisha's YouTube channel, be sure to do that. I am such a fan. Her videos are so beautiful. You can just search Rainbow Plant Life on YouTube and find all of her magic there. I think she has like hundreds of cooking videos at this point. And we will link everything that Nisha or one of us mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at plantpoweredpodcast.com, as well as our own Tony's favorite and my favorite instant pot recipes. Since we both have many, both on worldofvegan.com and on plantbasedonabudget.com, we'll share our personal favorites there if you want to give them a try. And if you're new to this show, we release new episodes twice a month, the first and the 15th of each month during the podcast season. And we have well over 100 episodes that you can go back and listen to. We try and create all of our episodes to be evergreen. So they'll be helpful no matter when you listen. And you can subscribe to get our emails with free recipes and tips and more other fun things over at plantpoweredpodcast.com. And if you'd like to support this show, there are two things you can do. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading those and they make us so happy. And if you have a few dollars to spare, you can support the show and help us create even more over at patreon.com slash plant powered people. Love you lots. And we will talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.